G'day, welcome to Age Abuse and Justice, where each episode I summarise an elder abuse case to demonstrate what elder abuse looks like and how the law deals with it. Age Abuse and Justice started as short videos published on YouTube. I did 15 cases in video format, but it took much longer to record and edit, so gradually I eased out of videos to focus on the podcast. It also allowed me to do cases in more detail. I'm now adding the audio from those video recordings to be available on the podcast channel as well. Please excuse the bad audio, these are made from when I was first learning how to use this equipment so it gets pretty dicey. So this is one of those video recordings. The videos are still available on YouTube if you'd like to check them out. You can search for Age Abuse and Justice or you could look on the New South Wales Legal Aid podcast channel. But I'll also include the links for this case in the notes below. So on to the case. Sometimes it may take the law a long time to catch up with someone. And while there is relief that the criminal has finally been caught and brought to justice, the victory is diminished when you consider how long they have had free in the world and how many crimes they might have committed in that time. In this case, the offender was not caught until 26 years after his crime. As a warning, this case involves details of assault and rape. If you would prefer not to listen to it, that is fine. Doris Fenbow lived in Unit 55 in a housing commission block in Little Bay. She was described as an elderly woman who lived alone was not linked in with any services, did not have any visitors, and did not look after herself. She was 172 centimetres tall and weighed 54 kilos. On the 3rd of September 1988, two neighbours saw smoke coming out of the window of Doris's unit. They called the fire brigade, but they didn't wait. They broke into the apartment straight away and they found Doris. She was dead on the floor. She was 66 years old. Multiple fires had been started around the unit in what appears to be an attempt to destroy the evidence. There was evidence of an assault. In the bedroom they found Doris's dentures, a broken watch and splatters of blood. Doris had been severely assaulted. Her left ear and eye were bruised. The fingernails on her right hand were broken. She had scratches on her neck and chin and she had a bruise underneath her breast. There were fractures on her ribs consistent with having been punched or kicked in the chest. She had bruising on her neck and a damaged voice box consistent with strangulation. She had been raped. There was soot in her lungs that indicated that while she had been strangled and lost consciousness that she had been alive at the time the fires were started. The police investigation stalled not long after the crime but they did collect DNA evidence. Vaginal swabs were taken and retained in 1988. While the DNA was of little use in 1988, by 2003 DNA analysis had improved to the point that they could take a DNA profile from the swabs and this was put in a database. In 2014, Alexis Katsis was charged with breaking and entering and possession of housebreaking implements. A buccal swab was taken and a DNA profile was created. The DNA taken from Katsis matched the DNA found on Doris's body. And in 2014, almost 26 years after Doris's death, Katsis was charged. 
Katis had lived in Unit 49 of the same housing block as Doris. He lived there with his father, stepmother and siblings. At the time of committing the offence, he was one week short of his 18th birthday. On 21st of October 2015, Katis was charged with murder and sexual intercourse without consent. He was sentenced to 26 years in prison with a non-parole period of 15 years. The court described the crime as savage, inhuman and despicable. Once found guilty of a criminal offence, the court must decide the appropriate punishment. And in making that decision, they take into account aggravating factors. Aggravating factors are facts of the case which warrant a harsher penalty. They may be committing the offence with a weapon, committing the offence in a group, uh, it might be a history of similar offences, or it might be an offence against a vulnerable person. A vulnerable person might be a child, someone who is disabled or incapacitated, or an older person. In this case, Doris, being 66 years old, was held to be elderly and therefore vulnerable. And this was an aggravating factor in Katzis's case. In 2017, Katzis sought to appeal his sentence. And one of the basis for his appeal was that Doris, being 66 years old, he argued was not very old and therefore was not vulnerable. The court did not agree with this. They argued that vulnerability is not based on age alone. You also need to take into account other factors. And in this case, the other relevant factors were that Doris was very isolated. She had no friends or visitors to the house. She didn't have services come and provide assistance or help to her. And she didn't take good care of herself. So the court found that that taken with her age made her vulnerable. Katz's appeal failed on that point as well as the other points he had made and all up the appeal was dismissed. This case does not fall within the strict definition of elder abuse. Elder abuse is an act against an older person that causes that older person harm and is committed by someone that they trust and are close to. Katz's being a young neighbour was not someone that Doris trusted or was close to. That is not to say that neighbours cannot fall within this definition. Some neighbours can be very close and trusted, but that was not the case here. The reason I wanted to mention this case, though, is because of that argument about vulnerability, whether someone could be vulnerable based on their age alone and no other factors. And I agree with the, the approach that the court took, that you can take in the age, but you need to take in those other factors. I have had known people in their 90s who I would not consider to be vulnerable and yet I've known people in their 60s who I would. So vulnerability, yes, age is a factor, but you need to take in all the circumstances. Is that older person capable of making decisions and advocating for themselves? Do they take care of themselves? Do they have a support network? Are there friends and family who assist them? Are there services that come and provide assistance or is this person isolated? In this case, I agree that Doris was a vulnerable person. As a side note, if you were to look at the citation for this case, it would be Katsis, V, which stands for versus, and R, the letter R. And some people looking at this might wonder what it means. 
So basically the letter R stands for Rex or Regina, which means king or queen. And it's connected with our history in which criminal cases were brought on behalf of the, the monarch, the king or queen, and it was against the offender. So some people might refer to this as Katzes versus the Queen, or it might be Katzes versus the Commonwealth, but it would be written as R. So if you are ever wondering what it means, that is the explanation for anyone interested in legal citation. Uh, that was my case. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you'll join me for my next one. <laughs>